0: Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, we're starting a new series today in Proverbs. And uh, uh, we're going to be addressing... Really tough issues. Matter of fact, the tagline here is asking for a friend because a lot of the tough issues, maybe we're a little hesitant to ask. Maybe we feel like, oh, that's a little embarrassing. I should know that or might feel stupid or whatever. Or you're hoping somebody will ask for you. Being in that situation is kind of nice. You can just kind of eavesdrop. But there there are a lot of things that we face out there, answers to tough questions and topics and issues and dilemmas. And uh, that's why we're going to dive into Proverbs and see if we can't answer some of those as we walk through this together. And uh, today, um, well, as we look in the Proverbs, um, you know, there's, there's, the, the Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A lot of wisdom in Proverbs, a lot of nuggets that you and I can glean from. We can get help. Uh, it's the truth throughout the word, promises. Now, are they guaranteed that it's going to make life work for us? Well, I wish I could say yes, but it's not always a guarantee. Proverbs says, train up your child in the way that he should go, and he will not depart from it. <laughs> How many of you departed from it, <laughs> right, the first seasons? The power of the human will, God will not resist. He'll let that run its course. And so the goal is to glean from Proverbs... The truth that we want to live by because it does. You know, we apply God's principles to your life, it works. It's wonderful. There's fruitfulness that comes out of that. So that's what we're called to do. So we're going to dive into that. And today we're looking at Proverbs, um, humility, and pride. And that's a tough one. And I, I get to talk to you about it. You're, oh, joy for me, you know, pride. Uh, unfortunately, pride tends to be one of those blind spots in our lives. You've ever been driving in your car and you look in your rearview mirror because you're going to change lanes and you look in your side mirrors and you go, oh, okay, all is clear. And you start to weave over and all of a sudden you hear horns and you turn back and there's a car right there and he's heading for the ditch, you know, and you're jerking your car back in the other lane and you're all embarrassed and like, wow, this is in my blind spot. I should have just turned. And that's the issue that we're dealing with here. It takes a little more effort and tensionality on our part to really turn and investigate the hard truths, the hard lessons, the hard dilemmas of life, and apply ourselves. And so that's where we're moving this morning. Again, pride can be an area in our life that we're ignorant of, we don't see. I can recall a time, I've had many encounters in my life where the Lord has humbled me. <laughs> oh boy. may had those? You know, yeah, you kind of don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, oh geez, really embarrassing. I remember one time, this is a dramatic one. I'll give you a real dramatic case for my own life. Uh, it was back in youth ministry days, and, and we were experiencing a tremendous move of God. Um, I mean, just crazy things were happening. I mean, it was just messy. It was powerful. I mean, young people were getting thrown down on the floor by the Spirit of God. They were having visions, encounters with Jesus. I mean, visions of heaven and hell. And I mean, one kid just stood there and shook for two hours speaking in tongues. I mean, all kinds of stuff, stuff you just don't normally. And and we had a ministry team that was growing at the time. We were traveling around doing ministry everywhere, and kids were getting saved. And a lot of those students actually today are in ministry today. Uh, it so impacted their life, but it was really a wild time. And I remember one Sunday night service, the youth were doing the service. The adults were there and everybody, and they were doing the worship, and one of the students actually got up and preached and I followed him up and preached and they did some the other things. And, and then they just broke out and started praying for everybody. And spirit of God, you know, adults were, I mean, falling into the power of God. I mean, crazy stuff was happening. It was so fun. I just, I, I gotta tell you, I'll be honest with you. I love getting in the river and I enjoy that a lot. Um, but at the time, it was just what God was doing. And at some point in the conversation that night, uh, I, uh, I was talking to somebody, I says, well, when you have the power of God, you know, and the pastor heard that. <clears throat> now, my pastor at the time was a very wise man, and the next morning, he, we were in his office, and he's talking to me, and he mirrored back what I said, having the power of God, and I was just undone that I actually even said that, that I got a glimpse of I don't know if it's some spiritual pride elitism that was starting to bubble up. It, you, know, you know, we could say, this is if you do this, you're spiritual. We can put things in a box when God's way bigger than all that. And I was so smitten. I felt like, you know, the Bible says God opposes the proud. And I felt like at that moment, God stepped in and went, to me, how many want to be opposed by God? It's a fearful thing. And I was so undone <clears throat> that I left his office. I ran into the sanctuary. It was dark. And I just threw myself on the floor. I began to weep and plead for the mercy of God. I repented. I said, God, I'm sorry. I just saw something ugly in me that I, I just, I didn't know was there. It was a blind spot. And uh, how many of your words will come back and haunt you? <laughs> and man, I tell you what, I, I, I was at the, on my face, God have mercy. Almost begging. It's really smitten. And those can be really good moments in our life where we never forget. Let me tell you, this journey of walking in humility will never end for you and I. It will continue until the day you meet Jesus. That's just the flesh we contend with. And we always need to be mindful of that. All right? There's a saying out there it says, I have met the enemy. And he is us. <laughs> I mean, you know that um, the more mature you get, the more you realize that you are your own biggest problem, right? You cause more problems. I find that I have caused more problems in my life than anybody else around me for me. Um, so as you grow and develop and mature, you realize that you have an I problem. The middle of sin, the middle word and letter in sin is I, and the middle letter in pride is I. And uh, there, But there are two kinds of pride. There's a good pride, there's a bad pride. Well, look at both sides here. I want to be really practical and kind of break it down, kind of identify some areas of pride where it can happen in our life, and then how we deal with it. How do we walk in humility? Because the Bible says, look, the good kind of pride, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's a dignity. There is a pride in our own life that's not bad. I mean, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor, in other words? That's important. There's a good pride. You've done a job well. You've Utilize what God has placed in your life and your skills and your abilities and everything else, and that's good. And you should be proud of that arena area of your life, in um, the success you're having. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Pride, pride, uh, your family, your church, your country, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, parents, man, I and mean, grandparents. You need to be proud of your grandchildren. I mean, yeah, you have permission, and that's okay. Paul said it repeatedly in the New Testament. I am proud of you. Said it a lot. I'm overwhelmed even after going through an event like we did week of the missions conference and incredible help and volunteerism that rises to the surface. But that happens every week here, behind the scenes, everywhere. You're making church happen. People make it happen. I'm so proud of everything that everybody's doing. You walk into Thrifter's Rock down the road. Let me tell you what, it takes an army of volunteers to run that place. That's a machine. And it can be overwhelming. And I'm so proud of the people down there and the volunteers and those who are on staff. Work hard. It's incredible. That's something to be proud of, what God is doing through his church. That's wonderful. So there's a good kind of pride, and it's based really on what God is doing in and through us. That's wonderful. But there's a negative side of pride that we're acquainted with, and it could be a selfishness that rises up, a stubbornness where we won't admit we're wrong, to uh, a, one that holds grudges, g- gossips, um, conflict, kind of pride that judges others, puts them down, thinks they're better. We've all run into that. We've all been probably a part of it. It's, it could be conceited, egotistical, arrogant, and it could be damaging and destructive. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Destruction and a fall in the context of pride. Pride is probably the root of every sin out there. I'm sure it is. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Let's look at the first one. Pride simply causes conflict. This is very clear. See it in Proverbs. Root of every single conflict. Proverbs 13.10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. Pride breeds breeds quarrels, right? Newlyweds should memorize this verse, if any verse should be memorized, because... There's such a difference in those who are attracted to each other, opposites to attract. She says up, he says down. She says hot, he says cold. Just how it is. And so it takes deep commitment and humility. Marriage will deal with selfishness. Marriage will change you. Um, If I were to ask most of you here, if you ever wanted a divorce, I'm sure you'd say no. Divorce, no. Murder, yeah. (laughs) Choke them. (laughs) Amazing what marriage will bring out in you, huh? The best and the worst. So the root of a lot of uh, marriage problems is selfishness, self-centeredness. It's the root, and uh, you, you want, you want your spouse wants what they want, and you butt heads. And unselfishness makes the marriage work. It will move, work that into your life. Uh, I mean, quarrels and conflicts. Look at social media. You see, probably seen that where parents come to blows over a little league game because the umpire called something that they didn't agree with, and you. Kind of look at that and you go, wow, that's intense. That's quite an investment. Do they really want their kid in the game? Does their kid even want to play? Or are they, are they just, is their kid playing because they want that? This is what pride does. How many, how many times do we pressure people to act a certain way because it makes us look good or do a certain thing? That creates conflict. Pride causes couples to hold grudges, to keep score in their marriage, did you do that? Yeah, well, you did that. And we bring old stuff up. We won't let go. We won't forgive. Holds on to hurts and keeps scores. Pride also um, causes gossip. One reason why gossip happens is because it makes us feel better. If I got some dirt. Proverbs 13.10, again, where there is strife, there is Pride. When it comes to churches across America, adultery has slain its thousands, but gossip has slain its tens of thousands. Ever been in that kind of a toxic environment? Very destructive. So pride can make us rude, um, obnoxious. We can become arrogant. Uh, We take people for, for granted who are serving us. That can happen. I mean, one of the acid tests are just... Watch how people treat the, the waitress. I mean, people can be demanding, snappy, irritable. I mean, the poor poor gal's just trying to serve and, and get a decent tip and <laughs> you know, it, and you watch people sometimes, you go, oh man, poor thing. Remember DMV, that used to be the acid test. But now you can make appointments. So I guess that's kind of cleared a lot of that up, you know. Well, I made an appointment to be here and I'm in line, so. Uh, but it can, be, it can become across judgmental. Uh, I'm better than you, and we look down on people, and, and what happens is if somebody else stumbles, then, then we become less forgiving. We become less merciful, more unmerciful. And, and that's, that's why you know, pride can be this blind spot that we have to be so careful. of. Matthew 7, 5 says that, take the log out of your own eye <clears throat> first, and then you'll be able to see the speck that's in your brother's eye. But pride... What happens is it blinds us to our own faults and it magnifies the faults of others. And it's judgment. And Look, we don't need judge, judgmental people in our life, but we do need people with good judgment. In other words, they'll discern well, but they won't judge. So the number one, I think, thing that pride does really causes conflict is it, it refuses us, it, we refuse to admit our mistakes. Uh, maybe you grew up in a family that, uh, where there, the issue was never resolved. Uh, stubborn pride, that's why. Um, three of the most difficult words that we all probably need to learn is, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Not if, that's not an apology. Ownership is... Dealing with that I problem, that's not easy to do. The reason why we don't do this is because we think that if we admit a mistake that people are gonna think less of us when actually the complete opposite is true. The the more authentic you are, the more honest you are, the more upfront you are, the more humble you are, the more respect you'll have from people. People don't expect us to be perfect, but they do expect us to be honest and authentic. Anybody agree? Sure, you want people around you to be it. Now, pride, pride prevents personal growth as well. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You know, you can't grow with pride in your heart. You have to decide, would I rather, uh, do I just want to look smart or would I rather be smart? Pride makes us unteachable. If the only person I can learn from is me, then I'm not going to learn a whole lot. But if I got people around me I can learn from, then I'm going I'm to grow and learn. And you can learn from anybody. You can learn from the person right next to you. You can learn from your enemies, your critics, your friends. Why? Because they've all had different experiences in life than you've had. And you can learn from all that. I've said this before, but this is actually a true account. Muhammad Ali was in his prime. The champion gets on the airplane. The stewardess comes back and says, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle up. And he said, Superman don't need a seatbelt. And she looked at him and said, Superman don't need an airplane. In other words, you're not as hot as you think you are. And that's usually the case. Uh, The only way that we're ever going to be wise, a wise woman and a and a wise man of God is to humble ourselves. And you'll never learn it through pride. Proverbs 10, 17 says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way of life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. <clears throat> How willing are you to be corrected? How teachable are we? Pride keeps us stuck in that rut and it keeps us from getting the help that we need in our marriage, keeps us from getting help that we need in our work, or in our finances. It keeps addicts from getting help. Pride keeps parents from getting help. Pride keeps us from getting help on the job, at work. And oftentimes it keeps us even from coming forward to get prayer when we really really need it. It can keep us from a simple act of raising our hand like we just did during worship saying, I need some help. Pride can keep us from doing that. Here's another one. Pride produces anxiety above all that. Let's just be practical. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man produces a snare. It, it proves to be a snare. And it's really dangerous to always be concerned and thinking about what others are think. The, the greatest probably source in, of stress in life is the preoccupation. Self-preoccupation. Always... Having our eyes on me. Boy, that can make us nervous. Worrying about what others think. That'll stress you out. If you're always thinking about yourself, how you look, how you appear, how you act, how you sound, how you talk, how you dress, you'll be stressed. You'll be anxious. Uh, if you really knew how much people or how little people were thinking about you, you'd probably be surprised. <laughs> It might bring some stress out of your life. One of the greatest stress relievers is don't worry about what others think. Our culture, though, t- tells us we need to think about ourselves all the time. Commercials are constantly, have it your way. You deserve a break. This is all for you. How many know the image is a big deal today? Image, image, image. Society pushes image on us. There's a lot of money in it. I mean, you can get your focus on image and you can hire an image consultant and get a spin doctor. But how easy is it to do a Google search on a character consultant? The image isn't worth anything. It's squat. Character is who you really are. It's who you are in the dark. And character lasts forever. So if you're always worried about uh, the things you'll be so easily manipulated. Uh, if you're always worried about the opinions, expectations of other people, then you're constantly going to be jerking yourself over here to align yourself with this person, align yourself with that person, and you're going to be schizoid, trying to shift your life all the time. So uh, being authentic, it'll keep you from being authentic. The real you. You have to fake everything. I tell you, pride makes con men of us all. Because... Our pride is all about, well, what people think of me. But in our hearts, we're really not that. So we have to put a mask on. That can cause enormous stress. Pride, here's a really severe one. I just talked about some basic things we need to be aware of, but it angers God. Look at Leviticus twenty-six, nineteen. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Wow, God hates pride. That's strong language, isn't it? It's like he, this box begins to form around us. He takes measures to deal with it. Pride was, again, the sin of Satan that got him kicked out of heaven and it can keep you and I out of heaven. Well, not now, but that's how people don't go to heaven because oh, I don't need this God stuff. Oh, Jesus, eh, I don't know if I need that. I got this on my own. I can handle this. I, I could take this. Yeah, I don't want to take the sissy route because I am God, is what they're saying. And so it takes a point of surrender. Proverbs eight thirteen: the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. Wow, that's strong language. I think one of the most Christ-like things we can do is to pursue this quality of humility in our life. Again, it's about the model of Jesus, the basin and the towel and washing feet. God washing smelly, dirty feet. I often wonder, is the towel and basin going to be one of the centerpieces in heaven? Is that going to be one of the things that we get to look at as we walk around? Well, Humility is about emotional health and maturity. The more emotional mature you are, the more humble you are. The more, more emotional insecure you are, the more prideful you are. Pride is an evidence of a sense of insecurity in our own lives. The more insecure you feel on the outside, the more you try to, you know, kind of puff yourself up to make you look like something that maybe you're not. But the more secure you are, And your identity and the love of God and the love God has for you and your love for him, the more stability, the more humble you'll be able to walk. That's the hallmark of humility is emotional stability. And I really believe humility is one of the secrets to the power of God in your life, the life of God flowing. It's a great way to start your day is to have this on your heart when you Begin your day, your morning. There's, I think, some real practical ways we can do that we need to be mindful of. Uh, James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Favor, opposing, I said that before. God opposes, stops and opposes people in their tracks, yet favor to humble. Uh, I've discovered that nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're supposed to pray and ask God to humble you. That might bring you some some relief. But you don't have to pray that prayer. Humility is actually something that you do. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. The Bible says, humble yourselves. It's your choice. And you get to do it. Now, other people will humiliate you, but you humble yourself. And when you do that, God does his part. He lifts you up. How do you do that? Well, I think it's really simply by expressing your dependence on God. Living a very thankful and grateful life. I think sometimes physically it's a good idea for us. Maybe in the morning sometimes you just need to remind yourself, I'm going to get on my knees before God and declare that he is Lord. And that I am his son or I'm his daughter, or I'm his servant and I want his agenda today and I'm just submitting my life to you, God, and I'm I'm just, my tongue is confessing now, you are Lord, you are God. And I I love you, and I honor you, and I serve you, and I'm humbling myself before you. That's a good habit to get into. I believe there's a grace that comes upon us in those moments, and God can do something deep or something more in the days ahead. He lifts you up. So it's a humbling of ourselves. Daniel did this, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. I love this passage because Daniel was such an incredible man of God. And he said, then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to what? Humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them to lift you up. Love that. What was Daniel doing in that season to humble himself? Well, he was mourning, he was fasting, he was praying. Uh, He was confessing the sins of the people. A righteous man, he was taking ownership. Long prayers, Lord, we have done this against you. Humbling himself. I tell you what, just being a parent should humble us. Being married should humble us. It should drive us at times to our knees to say, God, I can't do this apart from you. Help me pull this off. Less of me, more of you. God can do miracles through prayers like that. So we humble ourselves. Secret to God lifting us. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. I would cultivate that humility. It's an ongoing practice. Here's another one, because this is what Daniel did: admit my sins honestly. Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen says, "Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy." Confess and renounce. Something powerful about that. Not only repenting of it, but a renouncing, a closing that door, shutting that up, removing that from my life. I find mercy. That means you get another chance. That's the starting point. I admit sin honestly. According to this verse, prosperity and success hinges on honesty. It gives us a second chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. The God of second chances, that's who we serve. When humility's on the scene, mercy and grace. But if I'm full of pride, I get no chance. I'll take the other one. I will humble myself. We don't pray again, if God I have, no, it's the I problem that we began with. Mm, it's an I problem, no ifs. Here's another one, and this can be confusing for people. Evaluate my strengths realistically. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Romans 12.3, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think yourself more soberly or with sober, sober judgment. In other words, don't have exaggerated ideas of yourself and your importance. Have a real estimate of your uh, capabilities. We, we, we tell people, and this is a good thing, and I've done this a lot, actually, in my life, tell people that you can do whatever you want to do. And, uh, that's really not true. When you think about it, I mean, you can go out and do whatever you want to do. It could be harmful or it could be good. But when you're talking about in areas of success in your life, if you don't have the abilities and the strengths and the gift sets to do that what you think you might want to do, then you're not going to be able to pull it off. You've seen the talent shows, right? Like every uh, American Idol or America's Got Talent. Uh, you get people on those stages, platforms, and they are convinced that they're going to win the whole show, the, the million dollars and everything and, and really they have no business of being, being on there and it's painful to watch. It's embarrassing because it's not good. They're not talented in that arena. You see that all the time. They have no business. Look, I'm never going to be a brain surgeon or an engineer because math is not my cup of tea. Never has been. i got to work real hard at it. Don't enjoy it. Stay away from it. Uh, it if uh well, just go golfing with me. <laughs> That's something I'm not going to be good at. I'll tell you what I am good at golfing. I'm good at, you know, the swing. And, and when the ball goes that way, when it's supposed to go that way? It's hack. I'm a good hacker. As a matter of fact, I golf for humility. Um, matter of fact, if I go golfing, I make everybody around me I'm golfing with feel really good. <laughs> okay, because they're so good. Notice I said when. I, don't, I haven't gone golfing in a long time. Don't tend to. Uh, anytime soon. So please, no invitations. Uh, glad it's getting cold out there. The grass is freezing. But everybody's good at something. The point is, we have to have a realistic evaluation of our strengths and our weaknesses. Don't think yourself more highly than you Cherish the exaggerated ideas about yourself uh, or your importance. Try, try to have a sane, not an insane estimate of your capabilities, but a sane estimate. Pride is based on this false image of ourselves. Humility is based on a true and realistic factor. Humility isn't denying our strengths. Humility is simply being honest about our weaknesses because we're all a bundle of strengths and weaknesses. We have both in our life. And that's the way God designed us. Now, if we just get around people and beat up ourselves and say, oh, I'm just terrible, I'm no good, I'm yeah, 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 you know, that's just, actually, that's false humility. That's, that's a... Um, False humility is pride because it's saying, I need you to pump me up. And you don't need that. Your identity in Jesus is enough. You don't need people to reinforce you. Humility is simply, simply being honest about your strengths and your weaknesses and being thankful for your strengths and what God is doing in and through you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a teenager in your house that had like a .00001 body fat and they ate everything in sight. I mean, they clean out the refrigerator. You can't afford them. They're like, go get a job so you can help buy bread, please. I mean, it's just amazing. They appear bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. But pride is when you appear bigger on the outside than you really are on the inside. You appear not what you really are. And God says, have a sane estimate. Galatians 6.4, each of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without Comparing themselves to someone else. This verse actually says a lot about the good kind of pride. You can take pride in yourself. Do a self-evaluation. What are you good at? What has God blessed you? It's okay to be happy about that and proud of yourself. But it says when you compare yourself to somebody else, then the good pride can turn bad. And one of the reasons why is because there's nobody in this room like you. Only you can be you. And Jesus created you to be you. And he loves it when you're you and being who you are. When you, when you start wasting your time comparing yourself and your hair and your clothes and your wealth and your house and your kids and your spouse and everything else to somebody else, then you're, you're going to go off the rails. Because if you're doing a better job than somebody else, then oh, you might get a little prideful. But if you're not doing as good, then you'll get discouraged. And now you're out of the game. So God didn't, didn't make you to be like everybody else. So be who he created you to be. Here's another really uh, uh, practical way to walk in humility. I enjoy my successes gratefully. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? In other words, Paul's asking, look, what do you have that God hasn't given you? He's given you everything. Anything you've accomplished, God has done it through you. Have you done it on your own? He says, no. Remember, there's a, there's a saying out there. It's a lesson. Remember, remember the lesson of the blue whale. When, when they're rising to the top and they're just about ready to blow, that's when they harpoon you. So you got to be careful. Lesson from the blue whale. So be grateful for what God allows in your life. Because one minute you can be a hero and you know how it goes. The next minute you can be a zero, up and down. So be thankful for what God is doing and what he's graced you with and what he's given you. Uh, The gifts and the abilities and the talents and everything you've been able to do, even the energy to do it, God has given you that as well and the strength and the wisdom. And the the breath I just took was a gift from God, and my heart's beating, and I thank God for that because He's doing that. He's doing that for you. We can be thankful for those things. Here's the last thing. I'll have the worship team come out. Very practical, I think. One of the greatest antidotes to help us walk in humility and how to serve others unselfishly. This is can deal death blow to pride when we help others. You can't just keep thinking about yourself, serving others unselfishly. It's called the helper's high. You know, there's the helper's high, and there's the giver's high. Ever done something for somebody, gone out of your way, and it was kind of a hassle, and it was a little bit difficult, but when you got done, you go, man, I sure feel good. I haven't felt that in a long time. Or you just wrote a big check, and you blessed somebody, and it was a sacrifice on your part, but you did it anyway, and afterwards you go, oh gosh, I'd like to do that every single day. It's the Holy Spirit breathing a life. You know, that's humbling yourself and God lifting, lifting you in a new, fresh way. It's a great place to live. I know we've been coming out of Proverbs on this, but you cannot talk about humility without this verse, Philippians chapter two, verse three through five. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. He's calling us to focus on the needs of others. See, humility isn't thinking poorly about yourself. It's just probably thinking more about others. You're valuable. You don't have to question that. Jesus came and died for you, God created you, put the spirit of living God, the power of God, life of God, resurrection power in you, you're his children, you're extremely valuable. You cannot put a price on your value with God. So humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is just really thinking less about yourself. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.